How are we going, mates? Welcome back to The Top Step. My name is Ryan Roland-Smith. I am way too excited for this episode. About to be joined by Grant Balfour, my co-host. We're having so much fun. But this is a special one, man. This is a very, very Australian episode. We have got the American League Reliever of the Year times two. This is the second year in a row he has won this. Best closer in the game, Mr. Liam Hendricks. Cannot wait to get him on this episode episode he's coming on very soon before we get to Liam before we get to word of the day and everything else that we have to get to I just wanted to give a quick shout out to all the new listeners welcome we're having a lot of fun and thanks to you we are ranked 30th in the U.S. in baseball podcast couldn't do it without you so big big thank you any feedback let us know any reviews you have let us know on social media Twitter at the Top Step Podcast, uh, same as Instagram at the Top Step Podcast as well. And like always, if you haven't already, go click subscribe. Go tell your mates to come join us right here on the Top Step for some epic stories, great conversations, and some much needed laughs. All right, I'm not going to waste any more of your time. Let's get right to it. There's Grant Balfour, Liam Hendricks. Join me right here on the Top Step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. <laughs> Face of Hall of Famer. <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life. As he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the inning is over. But what an inning it was. As six. Victor Martinez and Grant Balfour join and benches it clear. My goodness. This this is Grant Balfour being Grant Balfour. Yeah. He, he is, as you mentioned, Jim, he's amped up. He talks a lot. It's not personalized, but he talks a lot. In fact, he has the demeanor of a guy that wants to fight him. You'll never say that I'm not killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Hey, Ryan, how are you, mate? Good champion. You kicking us off today, are you? Oh, mate. Yeah, we're going to reverse the roles here a little bit. You know, we've got a uh, special guest on today. Someone we've, we've been really uh, excited to have on. We'll do things a little bit different. We've got uh, fellow go. Aussies, so switching things up a little bit. Going to have uh, two-time All-Star accolades through the roof, mate. Can't even sit here and list them, dude. <laughs> going and going. Got an arm long full of accolades. The guy has come a long way. From the Minnesota Twins to now rival Chicago White Sox, massive free agent contract, just keeps putting up numbers year after year. We've got Liam Hendricks on today, mate. I love it. Now, that's a red carpet, mate. That, that's an intro, let me tell you. You yeah, mentioned mate. it too, man. You forget he started his career with the Twins, young Aussie. There's about yep. 50 of them coming through the system at that, that one point. It's amazing too. And I, well, I was actually looking, we're, he's about to jump on here in a minute. I was looking through some of his numbers. I was even looking at you know some of the velo spikes as well. 2014, yeah. 2015. I think he's with the Blue Jays. All of a sudden, I've asked him this a little bit. I will ask him when he jumps on some of these changes he made. But he just started throwing gas. He was a starting pitcher with like a you know 90, yeah. 92 mile per hour sinker that you know would get every couple starts would get hit around a little bit. And then all of a yeah. sudden, dude, found <laughs> his spot in the bullpen. Now he's one of the best, arguably top three closers in the game. Oh, yeah, for sure, mate. He, he's a mainstay there. He's, um, you know, he came onto the scene there. Obviously, kind of similar organizations to where I've sort of been. Started with Minnesota and spent some time and had a lot of success in Oakland. 
put the green and gold on, mate. Good things happen, you know. Maybe so I should, uh, maybe I should put the green and gold on. <laughs> oh, mate, you put you put it on plenty of times. It just probably weren't paid the same playing for Australia. <laughs> yeah, the old pay packet with the Aussie team doesn't pay the same, but it's okay. It's yeah, okay. Sweet. At the Olympics, you got a sweet track set though. The green and gold. Oh, mate, set. the tracky dackies they hand out. Uh, <laughs> mate, they're the best. I still got one up there. You oh, think mate. it was? You think it was moth bitten, mate? You take a look at it, mate. It's that thing's what twenty one years old. From 2000, mate, it looks like mint condition. Still, mint condition, mate. Still, still walking around St. Pete when it gets a little chilly in the tracky days, oh, like yeah. green and gold. Um, some, of the, some of the stuff is unbelievable. It's like way ahead of its time, actually. I could throw it on yeah. now and people be like, oh, that's that's modern day stuff. That's pretty cool, you I know? I will say, mate, when I went to the Olympics in 04, I remember you get these huge bags full of gear. I'm like, this is amazing. Because for me, yeah. too, I know where you were at in your career, but with the Mariners, man, I was in Abel. Like, you know, I, mean, I never oh, got yeah. gear like that. I was like, this is big yeah. time, man. I had the Olympic rings on, on it and the whole thing. It was no, so I was, cool. I was right there with you, mate. I was uh, A-ball, just coming uh, Florida State League. Yeah, it was speak- still, still something that sticks in your mind today. It was great. Yeah, I think I, I tried to keep it all, but I think my mom's moved house a couple times and she said, I'll turn, <laughs> I'll turn that clobber out, mate. <laughs> uh, threw it on the uh, online sales and picked up a couple yeah. of green. <laughs> All right, now speaking Hopefully of you still got your silver medal there, mate. Hopefully you still got that. I do. I, I do. It's actually, what did you do with yours? Actually, that's a good question. Uh, mine? I didn't never got one. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> what I thought. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you, guys, you guys came in dead last. You got the wooden spoon, didn't you, in 2000? Yeah, yeah, I got the spoon in the, uh, actually, I think it was second last. So I would have rather come last and got the spoon for that. <laughs> All right. Now, speaking of Australia, we have to do, we've got a, we've got a yeah. big show today. And this is why I'm sort of hinting at this word. We're doing yeah. word of the day. One of my favorites, mate. One of my absolute favorites. Yeah. Chocker block. Oh, mate. Chockers. <laughs> mate, there's nothing better when you, you know, you start to get hangry. Oh, mate. And you just sit down and just get stuck into it and just rip into a piece of steak. <laughs> You know, and a great, great barbie in Australia. Good steak, nice salad. You know, on a hot, hot Sunday avo. Oh, mate. And then you just chockers, <laughs> just chock a block after it. It basically means yeah. full, right? Like, full. and not just full if you're eating. You can use it for anything, mate. Like, oh, uh, yeah. driving on the on the freeway. Like, how far away are you? Oh, mate, it's chockers out here. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's gonna take me at least an hour. Bloody freeways, chockers. <laughs> Or you know, you go down the beach, it's like you can't put any yeah. there's no way to put your umbrella and your and your towel. It's like, oh mate, it's chock a block yeah. down the beach today. Scorching hot yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Mate, it's a it's a true Aussie saying, and um, you don't use it that much over here. No, obviously. We try to when we get together, we we try to use a bunch of stuff that we we grew up with. So it's great. So to, it's chock a block, and then it's uh yeah, and then it's chockers too. Chockers, short for yeah, chock a block. Now, this show we have, we're, we're, this show is pretty chockers, actually. We've got, we've got Liam Hendricks. We're going to do the Aussie segment towards the end. He's going to help us out with the Australian segment, so I'm excited about that. I do want to, I do want to talk to, to – there's a lot of things I want to cover with, with Liam because we've got a few things coming up. Number one, you've got free agency. There's going to be a bunch of guys moving teams and everything else. He went through that last year, signed a, you know, a, a three-year deal with a club option on top of that, so a four-year deal. You know, yeah, for a closer making what thirteen to fifteen mil a year, insane. Yeah. And he's he's earned that one hundred percent. 
absolutely earned that. But there's going to be free agents yeah. flying all over the place. This, Justin Verlander had his workout the other day. 20 teams pumping 97 in the bullpen session. Just rolling it over. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean what's that? We've got more in the tank, boys. So whenever you want to get your checks out, whenever you get yeah. your checkbooks out, you know, I might ramp it up to 100. But for now, I'm just going to roll it over at 97. <laughs> You know, obviously, you know, Freddie Freeman will probably have an answer yeah. where he's going to go here pretty soon, I'd say. Because you, you, the writing's going to be on the wall. But, but Liam went through that last year. Also, the other thing that's coming up too, which is coming up real quick, actually, they're going to come to a decision, is the uh, new collective bargaining agreement. And this is something yeah. after last year in 2020 with all the COVID stuff and everything else. It's going to be tricky this year. You know, everyone's kind of sticking their, their, their chest out with everything to do with the, uh, the CBA. We do have Liam is in the waiting room right now. He's in the green room eating jets. Yeah, mate. Get his Kevin Ossie and jets and yeah, get him chockers before he gets on the show. All right. So let's bring him in. We're just going to throw him straight to the wolves as soon as he comes in here. All right. All right, mate. Awesome. Let me me get him in. Liam, how are we, mate? I'm good, mate. Yourself? I'm I'm doing fantastic. It's good. It's good to finally have you. We've had a couple of guests, but uh, we've been excited about this one. Number one, Liam, before we kick off, we do the Aussie word of the day, and the word of the day was was chock a block. Now, have you ever found yourself using that in the US? Uh, I usually I actually use it a decent amount because it's bringing a couple of the Aussie colloquialisms, and then I always like to stump as many people as we can. So it's like, oh, and it, and it helps that. Uh, so we're in Houston earlier in the year, and there's a place called the Phoenician Phoenician. I think it is. Uh, it's a grocery store that has like their ethnic food section. And they got a bunch of Aussie yeah. candies and Aussie, Aussie chocolate. So I, I picked up a bunch and was like, yeah, hey, chocolate block full of stuff. And everyone's like, what? Like, looking at me like, this, this guy's an idiot. It's the best, yeah. man. Well, well, I, down, love yeah. I love it, man. The, the word chocolate, I'm surprised Grant's taken us this long to use that. But I, I love it. I use it all the time, obviously, with people know what it is. But it's, it's, it's such a It good comes number. up a lot in uh, trying to find a parking spot in a, in a fully loaded parking <laughs> it's lot. Chockers. Exactly. Oh, it's chockers. It's in here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, Liam. Dude, you're coming off a massive year, dude. Awesome year. It was your first year, obviously, after signing your, your big free agent deal. I want to go back, man, because we're starting to watch a bunch of these new free agents. We're days away from guys who are going to go all over the place. Do you go back, like you go back 12 months from now, do you remember that process? How did it start for you that at this point in the year when you're about to start it off? Yeah, so obviously we had a weird year because it was coming off the shortened pandemic season. So we didn't know what the the kind of economic out, like uh, fallout from that season would be. And so we're sitting there. We knew we were in a good spot because at the end of the, the, end of the season, I was coming out as arguably the top reliever on the market, trying to figure out where we're going, what was going to happen. And we kind of just played it by that. We were lucky in the fact that there was teams that reached out instantly. And then there were teams that kind of trickled in the more, uh, the more they spoke their own guys and saw what was going on. But we, yeah, it was, it was a stressful time purely because of the fact this is my first time ever doing it. Coming out of Australia, you're a free agent, but it was like, okay, I'm going to sign, but like, we'll just see how much we can get. Now it was, uh, you're sitting there talking about like, okay, we, we did, we did Zoom with five teams. We were waiting to hear back. And then all of a sudden it would be four or five days. You'd hear nothing from anybody, not even like a twinkle in an eye or anything like that. And we're just, okay. Like, are they moving on? Cause they think yeah. I'm out of their price range. Are they, what, what's the deal? Luckily. Yeah. We could fall back on the fact that no matter what happened, we were at the top of the thing. We we're, we're going to have a job and that made it a lot easier to deal with, but we weren't, going out trying to be overly greedy we were sitting our mark this is what we're this is what we would like to get to 
Um, but we're not trying to like break records. We're not trying to do this. We're not trying to do that. And it just, uh, it just happens that I think everybody knows once they ha- got a conversation with both Christy and I and our agents and everything that we're not looking to try and completely take advantage of any team. We're just looking for what's best for our family and, and moving forward with that. So you get on those Zoom calls, obviously, you know, because of COVID, you can't go and do the trip up there. Did you do any trips to anywhere around that time? No, no. So no. we did one trip, and that was uh, in Florida to the Blue Jays' new spring training place. Right. Okay. So they were one of the teams we did a Zoom call with. We went and checked out their facilities because they put $90 million in their spring training place. And That's so we nice. were like, oh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. So we're walking around, and they, they built the same facilities for the big leaguers and the minor leaguers. So the minor leaguers had a different little bit of a clubhouse, but they had – access to the gym they had access to the hydro rooms they had access to everything like this and it was all in one building so if you're in the training room you could see through these glass walls to the big lake side of the training room it just the theory on it was it gave the guys something to strive towards about being on the outside or walking into the uh, walking into the entire facility and being able to turn left because that means you're in big lake camp so i just want to ask you real quick because we had kirby yates on and he you know, he's, he mentioned, obviously, he was with the Blue Jays there. That's one thing he mentioned was unbelievable, you know, the place that, that they build over there. So that's one of the things that, you know, coming off an injury for him and going there, you know, he was real happy about that. But the other thing you talk about with free agency there is, you know, you didn't try to go too far with it, asking price or whatever. You're just sort of filling out the market a little bit. But just coming the fact that you had Craig Kimbrell, one of your uh, teammates who went through that. I mean, he went through something where that guy had some ridiculous numbers, as we all know. You would think he was going to get a massive deal, maybe $100 million kind of at the time, right? And doesn't end up getting it and signs late, spring training, you know, and the deal with the Cubs and whatnot back then. So that was kind of interesting, you know? Yeah, obviously uh, you you learn and you can move and adapt from – things you see in, in other, in other free agency cases and stuff like this, we never ever gave a team a number. So we didn't come out and said, we want the only thing we said we wanted, we wanted years. So we wanted to get years. We wanted to, then the numbers would figure itself out. But yeah, I wanted to like my, my ideal thing was I wanted to get to four years because that would get me to 10 years of service time rolled up the entire time. And so that was my goal at that point. Um, we ended up going three with an option the option to buy at the same amount, which actually the White Sox brought up, but we never gave the team a number like, oh, this is what we're doing until we get to here. There's no point in talking because theoretically that just scares teams off. We're like, look, I can't justify getting to that. But if you yeah. go in there, put them on the hook, kind of just keep working them, keep working them. And then all of a sudden they keep falling in love. They just keep re- like coming back. They keep coming back. They start falling in love. They're a little bit more willing to go that little extra bit to get to where you're at. Did they, yeah. So you, on the, how long are these Zoom calls for? Oh, we were, uh, so probably like we tried to cap it around an hour, but it ended up being because I talked too much. It ends up being about an hour and a half or so because, uh, yeah, we'd be sitting there. We'd be in Sunday's final oh, Sunday's finest. I mean, in a, in a nice t-shirt and, uh, no hats and all this sort of stuff, but just like you dress right be, now. Thanks. <laughs> my wife would be dressed to the nines just trying to like, and all we're doing is just telling everybody like what we want to do. We're asking questions about the organization, about what we can do off the field. Uh, the pitching coach is asking their, their kind of the way they handle things if something's going wrong or if I come to you with a specific problem. And then for me, a big one on the field was making sure that they didn't abide by a cookie-cutter system where, okay, well, every pitcher you do this running after you pitch or you do this, 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 and this, and that's mm-hmm. scheduled out. There's no yeah. individualistic uh, like options to it. 
So the, okay, so I, so I got to know this then. These MLB teams, did they have the free forty-five minute Zoom thing, or did they actually have a subscription where they could go? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have to kick us off, so they. Uh, I think they must have paid for it. But there was uh, no. There was some, no oh, hey, Liam, we're up to the forty-five minute mark, mate. Can we um, get back on here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was so many moving pieces. Can you imagine trying to get a front office together? Oh my god! And so we were talking like president of baseball ops. You're talking about GM. You're talking about manager, pitching coach, bullpen coach. Um, other supporting stuff like their social media, well, not the social media, but their uh, their off field like philanthropic right. people and all this, all at the same time. That was quite humbling in the fact of like, look, they're they're they're, they're taking the time out of yeah. it to talk to to talk to us about the possibility of us coming there, and that was uh, that was something really really cool. And what what are some of the things they're trying to like sell you on, like for the White Sox? I mean, besides obviously, yeah, you have the money and stuff. And Grant talked about this. One thing that goes into this, you don't want to sign with a team that's going to win 50 games and you're just going to be frigging miserable the next couple of years. Did they try and sell you on, we're bringing this guy in, this is our plan, this is how we do things, or, hey, look, the city, like, did they try and sell you on, like, living in the city or all these other little things, or is it just straight business? So the White Sox had a really good approach. We did the Zoom call, and it, we thought it went well, but you never really know in these things. But they were harping on the city. They were harping on the fact that their, their window of contention is open for multiple years because everyone they have, all their core pieces, assigned through 24 to uh, 2024 so you've got a three four year window which is something that was really important to me i played them in the in the wild card series in in 19 in 20 and they have a great lineup they've got good defense they've got it they've got everything that can go there um and then the icing on the cake was uh after we got off the phone i get a random text message from jim tommy we're like, oh, yeah, so this is the restaurants my wife and I like in the area. This is all this. And my wife is <clears> like <throat> losing her mind because she grew up in Ohio. Right. So yeah. grew up a Tribe fan, going to the Jake, watching Jim Tommy when he was coming up and all that. So that was uh, that was awesome for her. But, yeah, some teams did a good job of, like, having guys reach out. I luckily knew uh, Lucas Giolito enough where I was reaching out to him, asking about the organization, yeah. the direction, everything, and how the clubhouse is and all that. So. Yeah, it's interesting. And real quick on that, and Grant, I'll let you jump in here in a second. I, yeah. you know, I'm obviously covering the Mariners, right? They want to make a big splash this offseason. But that's a big thing, right? When you have current or ex-players at that organization, if a Liam Hendricks type or someone who's a free agent goes, oh, hey, look, the Mariners made this offer. What do you think of the team? You want to make sure those players are saying the right things, especially if they're an ex-player. They're like, hey, man, don't sign in that place because they do this or do that. So that that's must be... That that's a huge influence when you have actual current players or even ex players say, "Hey, man, that's that's the spot you want to go to." Without a doubt, because that just breeds the culture there. Obviously, yeah. the guys on the team are going to be somewhat biased because they want to win, they want to do this. But talking to some guys from other teams while at Oz, they're all they were like, "No, no, no, we want you here, but we're a player first thing. So if you get a better offer somewhere and you feel more comfortable there, go there. Like right. we're not trying to push you in any direction, but." For the Mariners, obviously, that's that one of their big selling points is going to be uh, zero state income tax. That's a huge one that yeah. uh, any team that has that is going to bring it up because they do. Uh -huh. uh, their biggest attraction is uh, obviously the amount of travel they have to do because they they travel the most every year by every team. But yeah, they've got a they've got a great team over there. Um, yeah. But yeah, one of the things the White Sox brought up was like, yeah, black, it's slimming, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, well, you, look, you, look, you, look, you look good in the uni, mate. It's, it suits you. You're doing good. Sick uni. I like the White Sox uni. It is good. Yeah, and they got a good one. The, the, the gray roadies, they uh, they just scream kind of every villainous baseball uh, team ever because whatever, for whatever reason, they're always the guy, they're always the bad guys, which 
I embrace. I like that. I will say this, man, watching the playoffs and, and, uh, yeah, and Grant's played playoffs there as well. Cause we've talked about it, the stadium and I've, I've gotten my ass kicked in that place too. With the, the it's all the black and the dark. By the fans or, or just on the field? Both. <laughs> <laughs> Both. But no, the bullpen, it's like that hostile bullpen when you're a visitor there. They're they're chirping at your yeah. feet in that little bar. It's loud. It's you know, the blackout and, and the, the fireworks going off every time you give up a home run. I think I gave up seven in one game or something like that. <laughs> but it's just it's 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 hostile, it's man. A it's finale, a finale, man. <laughs> oh, trust me, I've given up uh, I think the White Sox have directly attributed to two of my DFAs. So <laughs> yeah. my worst ever start was there. I gave up seven runs and got two outs. One was a sack fly, and the other one was uh, like a like a uh, uh, catch on the warning track with the bases juiced. And yeah. then the last time I got DFA'd in eighteen, I gave up four there, including two homers to uh, one of them to Moncada on the team now. So yeah. they uh, they attributed to a couple of the the designated for assignments, but you move on, you get past it, and now it's uh, taking out the vengeance on the rest of the teams that gave up on you. And you sign four year deals, yeah. Yeah, mate, they got a lineup for sure. They got they got a powerful lineup. Um, I've given up a grand salami myself up there. So uh, that Cuban missile that they got up there took me to right center. <laughs> yeah, and, he, uh, he's not he's not bad at taking uh, taking anything to right center. I mean, that guy's yeah. by the way one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in, in your life. He is such a class act in the clubhouse. I was like, Bray, he's he's fantastic. He's uh, a leader on in the clubhouse, but leads by example on the field, and that's just uh, something something special about that guy. Sure. That's awesome. So, mate, I just want to ask you, I guess you look back, you get to sit in the offseason now, obviously no free agency, you know you got your contract, you know where you're going to be next year. You prepare yourself, you get ready, you have a little bit of time off, right? You can kind of just a little bit more relaxed. I know you got things going on, moving parts, different homes or whatnot going on, but for the most part, your baseball, you know where you're going to be, you know what to expect, you're just getting ready. Do you look back on last year? And do you recap your year? I mean, obviously, you had a great year. Obviously, it gives you a lot more confidence going into next year again. It's it's always good to build off of that and keep going. And there's some years where, honestly, I remember going, finishing the year, and it's like, man, I don't want this year to end because I feel so good. I just want to keep going because I don't want to have to restart all over again, go through the, the process of throwing, spring training, yeah. and then – all right, how am I going to feel this year? I just want to keep going sometimes, you know? Oh, trust me. Yeah, I obviously, I finished the season off with a really good September. Um, last game wasn't exactly ideal, going with a three-round pump to Altuve, but end of the actual year, striking out Breakman. So at least I just, you're only as good as your last better, which I struck him out at. Um, then, yeah, I take a couple of weeks off and then start throwing it. But my spring training last year was so messed up because there was some immigration issues popping up because I signed after my visa ran out. So doing all that stuff, then I had kidney stones, which meant I had to be off the field for a little bit longer with that. I ended up only getting a few addings in and actual spring training. And it, uh, yeah, that, that made it a little bit harder. So I'm actually excited about going into spring training this year with hopefully a kind of full spring training where I can get in there and get my normal stuff done. But I'm one of those guys. I've already started throwing. I don't take too much, too much time off because I can't afford to, I just, my arm seizes up, everything kind of, the yeah. longer you the longer you take off, the longer it starts to warm up again. So I just figured I kept throwing, which was what we grew up in Australia. Like I'd play there and then I'd be with part of the Australian Institute of Sport where you'd pretty much be practicing year round, but you wouldn't be playing as much, but you'd be practicing year round. So you never stop throwing. Yeah. That's just yeah. the way I grew up playing and, and moved from yeah. there. And it seems to have worked out the last couple of years is what I've done. Hey, on that too, speaking of throwing, I've asked you this a couple of times, but last time we were on, they had the four of us, Balfour, Moylan, and you. You said, mate, you made a comment. You said that you don't lift at all. You go down to the local 
the the local country club or whatever with a bunch of oldies and do a couple body weight squats. Mate, <laughs> is this for real or what? I mean, you, you I mean, you, yeah, you built like a brick shit house, right? <laughs> and, I'm talk us through that, man. Your off season program has to, especially in 2021, where everyone's got the gizmos and the fancy throwing programs and the facilities and the all the the, the technologies. Talk us through your off season, dude. Like, let, 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 let's get real here for a second. Lifting and throwing, etc. So last off season, I uh, worked out at FGCU, uh, and by worked out, I mean I went down there and threw. And I had I, the coaches down there have been fantastic. They'll they'll give me one of their juniors or one of their youngsters and, and let me play catch with him and I'll do my normal thing. And yeah. once bullpen starts, I'll get the rap soto out and use the bullpen just to track everything to see how it's all going. And then, uh, yeah, I'll get a couple of live APs in, but that's pretty much it. Like I'll do some random stuff where I'm in the bathroom or anything like that. Like, well, while I'm waiting for my wife to finish brushing her teeth so I can use the sink or something like that. And just do some random like elevated pushups on the sink yeah. or just random walking around. But, yeah, I mean, you're walking out of Target with your with your shopping bags. You do a couple of curls, but that's about it. Like, I don't... Grant's, Grant's pulling his hair out right now, mate, because he was meticulous. I mean, I'll 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 let it slide a little bit. I'll put on a couple pounds and you know crush uh, some crush some maccas like maccas drive through. You, Grant, you better mate, have some tin cans in those bags at Target. At least tell me you had a few tin cans in there, mate. Well, I can't drink because of my liver. So, like, I've got the sparkling waters, which is about as far as I can go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, other than, other than that, so I found out when I was in AAA in 18 and part of that banishment period was yeah. that the less I worked out, the better I felt on a daily basis. So I was yeah. working out muscles that I didn't actually need to work out in order to pitch. So yeah. I figured that throwing was the muscles that I used to actually pitch. Why not just throw yeah. more than everybody else? And that's my kind of workout. And yeah. then I power shag during BP, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, uh, it's times when you're going to feel too sore. Like you said, you wake up sore from lifting, whatever. And it's got to be specific to that sport. So, totally yeah. understand, mate. The arms, the arms where it's at. So, oh, yeah. just just on Grant too, and and Liam, I want to get to 2018 here in a second. But Grant, I, I've, I told this story to Kirby Yates too. This guy, I I had my sister say to him, "Hey, Grant, you, you're looking kind of skinny as a joke." He's in the gym for three hours, mate. It was insane. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, dude, relax. Because that's why I'm saying, he, Grant, I think since that conversation, he's brought it up about 50 times. Like, there's no way Liam Hendricks throwing 97 is just doing squat thrusts with the oldies down at the gym, mate. Because he, you know, Grant's just an absolute just freak. He can't leave the gym. He's, he's one of these gym rats. Now, I wanted to, hey, real quick, I want 2018. You mentioned the banishment period. Talk us through that, man. What, what went down with the A's in 2018? Yeah, so I mean, that, I, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it really wasn't. No, no, it wasn't that long ago. But uh, yeah, the only thing I did work out was I every now and then I'd walk through the gym to get like a pre workout, and I'd just whatever was on the like the the, um, <laughs> the deadlift bar and like that, I'd just pick up and do a couple reps and then walk out, and then everyone would be just looking at me. And I'm in flip flops while doing this, so I'm in. I've got my shower shoes on. I'm doing this. And <laughs> walk in, do that, and everyone just looks at you like. What? Something's wrong with this guy. But um, yeah, 2018, I ended up having a cyst in my hip. So I started the season at probably mid-90s velocity-wise. My last outing was actually in Seattle. I ended up having, I think I maxed out at 89. And I'm trying to throw it as hard as I possibly can at this point. So my velocity is just diminished. Ended up having a cyst in my right hip. And did the rehab, ended up getting it aspirated uh, up in in Vail by Dr. Philippon up there, who's a hip specialist. And then while I was doing my rehab, I'm like, okay, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. 
they're like, okay, let's give you this, uh, the rehab program. I was like, okay, perfect. It was a few addings in, in the AZL, uh, including a multi-inning one down there. So I'm like, perfect. Then it was a couple of bullpens. Uh, before that, it was a couple of bullpens and it was a live VP in Stockton, which is close to the A's. And then they kept adding stuff onto those ones. And I'm like, look, what, what's the deal? They're like, oh, the, someone needs to, the pitching coach needs to have a look at it. I'm like, okay. So I text the pitching coach. He's like, no, I never asked about it. And so that set me off as one. Yeah. Then I started on the rehab program and then they're like, okay, well, we need to get four addings in here and four addings there. I'm like, I don't need to be on, in rehabbing for the full like 30 days. So let's, let's like pair it back. And they give you the sheet to sign when you're on your rehab assignment and you're able to do it for 30 days. Right. Well, I was going back and forth and me being stubborn as anything decided to scratch out 30 days and put three days. And then it was like, yeah, I pitched the off pitch and was that way. And then we ended up, <laughs> Doing that, I ended up getting called back up. And, of course, first outing was in Texas. And you ended up going to, what, like a nine-pitch first inning and then started getting tired because it was Texas in August and was yeah. just exhausted. Oh, July, sorry. And yeah. just hard as anything. Yeah. Ended up walking three. Those runs all scored. And they pointed to the fact that I didn't have enough rehab time. But in the midst of this, I also had meetings with the manager, the GM, the pitching coach, the head trainer and stuff like that. And it got a little testy in those because – I was still at the, the uh, I still thought that like, no, 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 I'm an important cog of this team. I want to get back as soon as I can. You guys should be bending over to get me back yeah. rather yeah. than their mindset was, look, you are an important piece, but we need to make sure that you're healthy before we throw you in because we need you down the stretch and all this sort of stuff. And, and at that point we had Blake trying and having maybe the greatest year in history with a 0.70 array and yeah. 30, say 30 plus saves and all this So there was no real rush, but I was trying to rush to get back. And it was just, it was just a me like a clash of heads where I didn't handle it well. And I took my frustrations out. And then as soon as they saw an opportunity to, to, uh, to humble me per se, that that's what the role, the route they took, but turns out it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Cause I went down to AAA and, and completely redefined the way I go about doing things. You went down to AAA and you, and you basically, first of all, did you get optional DFA'd when you went down? So I got DFA'd, but DFA'd. I had, I remember that. So I was like, oh, I could man. have elected free agency, but I would have forfeited the rest of my salary, Right. which after the year I was having, I'm not about to do that. Yeah. I, so I then, remember that. I, I remember you got DFA'd and you went down and, and, uh, but what, so when you went down, what was it, man? What, what was it that you, that you found or you figured out? Um, I found to love the game again. Uh, but not only that, I went down there and I spoke to the pitching coach. I'm like, look, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out my way. So that's going to be me. Like, I, I just feel like this. I'm going to throw as much as I can. I'm going to run around, but don't get on me about working out. I'm not going to influence any of the other guys, but yeah. talking to guys like down there, was, Danny Coolen was big for me as a left-hander reliever was with the twins last year, but he, we started working on curveballs. We started working on different things. And then it all just kind of went to it again. I started enjoying the game again. I started having fun, just messing around with guys in the bullpen and, Velocity slowly started ticking up. Like I got there at low to mid nineties. I left uh, sitting 97, 98, 99 every time. Wow. And that uh, it's a lot more fun when you're doing that. Yeah. 100%, oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I, I, I can, uh, I can remember uh, banging heads a little bit in Oakland too, with a couple of guys makes me laugh uh, when you said that, because, you know, it puts a chip on your shoulder sometimes and just puts a little fire in you. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think, uh, you, you know, you enjoy pitching that that way. And, uh, and being challenged in different times of our career that, you know, maybe at the time we, we don't see it as, you know, we see it as frustrating. Hey, I'm going through the same thing. You're going through that thing, whatever it is, whichever player. 
but it definitely uh, definitely makes for us to be a better player. I think in the long run, um, you know, you've, yeah, you use a way to funnel it. You you figure out the best the best way to use it. I wasn't using it in the right way. I was too busy stewing on the fact that oh well, I've been throwing the sixth or seventh inning every time. Why am I throwing the fourth inning today? Or why am I not throwing the yeah. seventh inning this time? And you give it to this guy, and I would take that poorly. And when I came back up, when I came back up, I just told them, look, I don't care where I pitch. I just want to play. I want to prove to you guys that I'm a different person than what I was two months to three months ago when you guys got uh, sent me out. And I want to make sure that I do everything I possibly can to uh, to pitch my way onto whatever this whatever this team's going to do the rest of the year. Liam, you talk, you brought it up earlier. You mentioned you pulled the wrap side out towards the end, and you start throwing bullpens, make sure everything's right. So you've talked about a few things that, you know, everyone, everyone listening to this thinking, well, this dude's freaking old school. He's, you know, pitching with a chip on his shoulder. He barely works. Yeah, he just throws and everything else. Analytics obviously is huge, obviously in baseball. How big of a difference has it made for you this year? And do you, do you feel like there's too much of that when you're watching a young pitcher getting way too involved with that as opposed to just kind of frigging what feels right, go do it? Yeah, so I I used the only reason I used the rap soto is for me making sure I was at where I was when I finished the season. Mm-hmm. So I'm not looking to reinvent the wheel. I'm not looking to increase anything. I'm just looking to get to a point where I know that. And it's not even the data. It's mainly the extension or anything I think can actually control. Right. So it's the extension. It's the arm angle. It's the tilt. It's all that sort of stuff. Rather than I'm not trying to find ways to increase spin rate. I'm not trying to find ways to make things nasty or anything like that. Like I know my stuff's going to play. So my biggest thing is making sure that I get to a point where my extension is the same. Cause if my extension is the same and everything else is flowing through that, yeah. it's all going to come out the same. That's just the way it's going to go. Uh, yeah. And then you, you use it to like some, to work on some pitches. Like I'm always dabbling with either a split finger or a changeup that I've never thrown in my life, but or never thrown since I've been in the bullpen, but you're always dabbling on certain things where it, it almost takes the onus off everything else. So you just go out there and throw everything else and then focus on the one pitch that you're not going to throw much. Hey, um, I, I do want to transition and, and we can, we can make this like kind of rapid fire or you can dive into as much as you want. Some of these rule changes, collective bargaining agreements coming up. And from a player's point of view, are you, is this something you worry you're worrying about? You know, obviously you guys in the clubhouse here a lot more than we do as ex players. Is this something you, is this, are you worried about a work stoppage or you feel like it's going to get done? Um, I, I'm not worried about a work stoppage, like, uh, affecting the season. Right. I think that something's going to happen. Uh, I don't think, I think the sides are just a little bit too far apart from why everything I've read in the last, uh, little bit, but I think the both sides realize that a work stoppage would like exponentially crush this sport more so yeah. than anything else. I agree so I that. think both sides are going to be very cognizant of that and not move towards like affecting the season, but I still think they're going to try and put some pressure on both sides for as long as they can. Yeah. Some of the rule changes are, are a little wild. Some of them are great. Some of them have some, uh, some basis in the sport, but I mean, I've also been the way, the way you guys would have uh, watched league or union, the way I watched Aussie rules was they started adding these little rules in there that just felt like they were taking away from the game. And then as soon as they got solidified, it was like, Oh no, 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 this actually does make a lot of sense. Yeah. It, it actually yeah. ends up working, which is the way any sort of rule change affects the game. It, it comes out that way. As a person in general, change is hard, right? Change is not Nobody always likes change. So no Nobody one likes, likes change. We're, we're in our own ways. We want to do things a certain way. So seeing some of the changes, 
you know, even in the past five years here, yeah, some of it's been tough to watch, but then you realize, well, it is pretty good. But like, uh, like you said that, you know, there's a lot of stuff on the table here now that, you know, they're going to have to make decisions on, or they're going to eventually implement into the game. And honestly, you know, we all have our own opinions. I'm not sure about the robo uh, umpires, but then other people are on the other side where they say, Hey, we just want to get the call, right? We just want to get the call, right? And that's the bottom line. So both sides, uh, like hitters and pitchers, both sides think it's going to be the best thing ever for them. That's yeah. just how it looks like. So obviously pitchers are like, oh, I'm going to get so many more of those borderline calls. And the hitters are going to be along the lines of like, so I'm going to get all these calls because they're, they're not throwing me strikes yeah. anyway. But I like the human element. I like being able to have a person back there. I like the yeah. the little bit of playing into a, an umpire's kind of strike zone. So you know that some guys are a little bit wider, but shorter. And then some guys are a little bit taller, but thinner. And having that out there, I think it's just it plays into the way you pitch. It plays into the way guys attack, and it's it's an extra added thing. It's it's like boxing when you know a guy and a referee or a judge is going to be a little bit more critical on the on the rib the rib punches rather than the uh, the the chin. You are, yeah. you're going to go after that. Hey guys, real quick, I'm going to have to uh, turn it off and back on. Use the same link. I've only yeah. got 45 right. minutes. <laughs> We're on a tight button. Top steps on a tight budget, mate. Oh jeez. <laughs> I'm going to keep that on the, uh, I'm going to admit this. If I asked Liam about the 45 minute free account on zoom with some of these front offices, the top step, we are using a 45 minute uh, limit. We like to do it that way. <laughs> so we've just gotten back on now, Liam, I, w- I just want to continue on with some of the, some of these rule changes, obviously with, with pitches. What about the, we talked about the automated um, umpires. What about the pitch clock, man? What do you got on that? So I was in, in 18, they had the pitch clock there and it was, it didn't affect me because I didn't kind of strut around the man too much um, except for strikeouts. But the, the biggest thing is this, so there's easy ways around it. So it's like you can get on the mound, you can come set and then step off and then you get another 20 seconds. So it's not exactly hard to kind of get out of it. It just stops the, the random guys just like from standing on there too long and doing the same thing too much. And then the only issue that it's going to come into with the runner on second base getting multiple signs or whenever you're getting multiple signs in yeah. general, shaking off, shaking off, shaking off, and then having to try and rush through it. Cause as soon as you come set, the clock stops. So that's the good thing. You don't have to like, okay, I've got 20 seconds. Okay. I've got my, I'm coming set at 18. So I have to pitch in two seconds or else yeah. it's going to be a ball. Like as soon as you come set, the, the clock goes away. So you still have a chance to hold run. You still have a chance to do all that sort of stuff. But yeah. yeah, there's ways around. I didn't mind it, but it just, and but the main part was it just really focused some of the guys who took longer to just hurry up a little bit. And it wasn't a defined factor, but I mean, every, every couple of seconds here counts when you can get the, uh, the money from the ads. Grant, you, you would struggle, mate, with runners on base. This guy, man, I, <laughs> I don't know if you remember watching him pitch. I used to pull my hair out. I used to be like, I used to text you, I can't carry the <laughs> Like, was Mate, I, I wasn't as slow as David Price. I was like, as long as I get before Pricey, I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, I used to take yeah. a while. I figured if I put the hitter to sleep, by the time I throw it to him, you know, he wouldn't be able to hit it. So, Well, it's funny. You had David Price and Mark Burley on the same team in 15. Uh, the, the, the polar Man. opposites. I mean, I think Burley averaged like seven seconds between pitches every time anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He made up for Pricey's ads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, I was curious about that runner on second, obviously being, you know, late inning relievers. That's going to affect you. Once that 10th inning rolls around, you got a runner on second to start the inning. You could throw the ball pretty well. Honestly, two pitches, it could be all over, right? It sounds sounds kind of tough. Yeah, it's a little annoying. Uh, purely based on the statistical way, you can get a blown save that way. 
Yeah. So you can get a blown save. Like, yeah, say if your team scores in the top of the 10th, you come out there and it's a one-run game and you the guys are already starting in scoring position. Yeah. It depends on what the team's doing. I mean, you get a chance to blow a save by a team trying to play for the tie, which is a joke. And that just that's disappointing. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've got it from both ways because, obviously, I've come into a couple games with that situation and I did okay, but not great. And then I also ran in the, as a runner at second base in Cincinnati this year. So that was a whole different experience. I came in in the top and the bottom of the ninth in Cincinnati, <laughs> get, got out of it. And then I was up sec, I was the last out. So I ended up pinch running at second base and then having to go back out there for the 10th. And then I ended up getting uh, walked off, but um, avoided the tag. So I showed my athleticism a little bit, but it was just a different vibe. That's straight Tony La Russa's. Uh, yeah, it was it was a bit of a rule thing. Obviously, uh, American League managers, it's those rules gets they they're so like minusculely random things. It turns out that they could have had Jose Abreu runners running at second base because he was the out before the pitcher. Right. But it was a new rule in the last couple of years. It, it wasn't around when Tony was last managing, and for all like well, I'd never heard of it, so I just assumed that's the way it was. I did get initially yeah. excited because I thought I may have gotten that bat because I'm still waiting for that first hit. Hey, what was it? What was it like playing for Tony Larusa this year? He was awesome. I love Tony. I, he was one of the. He signed before me with the White Sox, and he was one of the contributing factors of the way we really envisioned going there. Because Tony is well known as one of being close to like having the first closing type pitcher in Dennis Eckersley with the A's. Yeah, right. And then he's right. had like he's had very defined roles throughout his career, and that was something that I really enjoyed talking to. But not only that, I've worked with his Animal Rescue Foundation in the Bay Area for the last five years all right so i know that i know him through that so there was just another connection that we really enjoyed uh, and he was great like he walked into the clubhouse he took onus when he messed up he came in um and had certain meetings that just kind of rallied the troops he had certain meetings when he was telling everybody that he was he messed up and it's on him and that was uh, something that we you, everyone can respect i got another coach i was going to say i got another coach here in my neighborhood miguel cairo neighbor here oh, yeah. The uh, old Mickey was like, hey, yeah, I, the other day. I, I'm neighbors with Balf. He's like, yeah, yeah. he's loco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll see him walking the dog here every once in a while, but yeah, he's a good bloke. He's a good oh, bloke. Mickey's awesome. He was great. Yeah, I messed with him a lot. He'd, uh, yeah, he'd, he'd come through and we'd have the same comments to each other every day, but yeah, but, uh, yeah it was good. He'd just sit, I'd sit in my locker and he'd walk past and I'd just yell at him and then I'd be on the training table. He'd walk past and yell at me. Yeah, he's pretty easy going. Pretty easy going. Yeah, I feel I I played with Miguel Cairo too. One of his last years was with the Mariners. So I feel old now. That's funny. Coaching. Man, That's funny. I mean, he played everywhere. I mean, it, it takes a lot for someone to go from the Yankees to the Mets back to the Yankees. I mean, that just shows the sort of, yeah. the, the sort of person you are. All right, yeah. Liam, we're going to transition. You're going to stick around for our. It's called That's Grouse. Did you ever use the term grouse growing up in the, in in, in Perth? Uh, very rarely. I mean, I know of it. It's it's like it. You, you run into that with some of the uh, some of the dads from some of the kids you play with. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a nice Honestly, way of saying. Well, yeah. hey, you got to remember, we. I, if you're on the coast, it wasn't as big. But if you're in the if you're in the hills, that's where that's where those the verbs come in a little bit more. Now we're learning something about the West, about WA. By the way, we absolutely shit on Western Australia when we did it. We did a tourism sex uh, segment. A couple, um, uh, of course, you did. Yeah, a couple episodes <laughs> ago. And I'm thinking to myself, oh man, it just we, came down to geographics. That's it. It's beautiful area. Just said geographically, you want to fly from the states to Sydney and then jump on another plane for exactly. another six hours. Trying to buy into that was just going to be tough, you know. Oh yeah, my, so my, the first time my wife came out, we she got to Sydney. She's like, oh, I'm here. 
I'm like, okay, uh, when's your next flight? She goes, okay, uh, yeah, it's in like a couple hours. Um, like, how long is this flight? Like, hour, hour and a half? So I'm like, nah, sweetie, it's about five and a half. She's like, I hate you. <laughs> right, so she, she got off the plane and she just was staring daggers through me. But uh, <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. You, you, some of you guys, mate, you and, and Luke Hughes, I remember like you go all the way from, you know, from the East Coast, West Coast, West Coast to the East Coast, East Coast to the West Coast. That's a fight. Yeah. Wreck, You'd be fly. We'd have 24 hours of flying time every spring training, and then at the end of the season to get home. It's just a yeah. You got your five, fourteen, five, and it's uh, it adds up. That's for sure. But some fracking up those freaking flyer miles, mate. That's right. Oh, seriously. Sure. Yeah, right, seriously. Man. That's why whenever we go back now, we will tend to fly to Sydney or Melbourne and spend a few days there, get the jet lag off, and then fly to Perth from that, and then end up yeah. the same way as either staying in LA or staying an extra couple of days in Sydney because. Yeah. We get a chance. She gets a chance to see the other coast because when you go back, you want to go home, see family, see the old haunts, and this yeah. way you get a chance to travel around a little bit, to even to some of the places I've never been. All right, yeah, yeah. We, we, this is going to be your job for the Aussie segment. You were going to explain to the American listeners because I get asked all the time, and you even said this before we got on air. We, Grant and I, I'll be honest with you, mate. I, I love watching some Aussie rules football. I spent more time in Melbourne uh, last couple of years, so it was just in your face. I was like, oh, this is actually a good sport. Didn't grow up with it at all. Give us your best explanation of Aussie rules football for someone who's just seen, yeah, had a couple glances on the telly to watch it from the US. Yeah, so I'm gonna start. My dad's a scout. He's he's a scout for the Sydney Swans, so he's got he got the New South Wales. There you go. I like your old man already. (laughs) (laughs) So he's a scout for them. Um, I like grew up playing. I could have gone father son to the Eagles, which is the local Perth team. But yeah, for uh, Aussie rules football, it's um, there's no throwing whatsoever, so it's it's closer to football than any of the other the uh, other genres of sports like rugby or, or NFL because that's just throw ball to me. But um, yeah, you end up punching it. So your hand, like if you want to pass, you pan, you punch it. If you get to kick it, you can kick it. You kick it any direction to anyone. There's yeah. uh, fields about 170 yards long. This is the way you can explain it to Americans in their stupid measurements. Um, yeah. 170 yards long. Um, it's the only sport in the world where if you miss, you still get a point. You got to yeah, kick it through the true. big sticks. That is kick true. Through the big sticks, and if you miss, you get through the little sticks. It's still a point. Yeah. Um, but it, it starts off like basketball, except you run into each other and try and knee each other in the ribs. You know, I will say this, mate, because I, you know, I obviously grew up with rugby league, and, and my dad was involved. He was a he was a strength coach with um, the Parramatta Eels. So I always grew up as a kid thinking, I oh, AFL, it's not as tough. The, the rugby league's the toughest game, you know, in the world. All this kind of stuff. I will say, man, I went to the grand final when I won a silver medal at the Olympics. My bad, right? In two thousand four, yeah. So if you're a medal winner, basically they send you off to the. This is the first time that you got any kind of recognition in Australia. Like, oh yeah, go to the grand final. You get to walk the field, the whole thing. I got to say, mate, I first time I've ever seen Aussie rules football in my life, dude. They're just throwing elbows and and throwing rib shots down the other end of the field. It was nuts, dude. Yeah. I, I was. So that was what? That would have been 2004. 2004. So that was who was playing? Was that the, the that was the Lions Port Adelaide? Something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. I was, so I was, Quentin, that was the game. Where, pies. I, like, I that, if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm thinking the right one, that was the game. Quentin Lynch. He was retiring at the end of the thing, and he yeah. just came out and was legitimately throwing absolute haymakers because he's like, "I'm going out. I want to go out with fisticuffs." Yeah, yeah. But he came out and apologized <laughs> after it later, but. Um, yeah, yeah, like uh, I actually sent my the uh, grand finals in Perth this year because of uh, the pandemic. 
so my we got my my old man and my family tickets to the game because theoretically we'll never be in Perth again. So I want to make sure they got to a chance to experience it. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's something wild. But uh, that's the same reason in in Western Australia you grow up thinking like, okay, rugby. It's like no, no. AFL is the, the the proper man's game because you actually avoid tackling rather than rugby where you just run into it. So you, yeah. it's, it's a little bit more uh, finesse. You got to avoid mate. the tackle. They call hit ups. <laughs> hit ups, yeah, mate. No, I mean, it's, it's one of those games, eh? We, we all grow around. We've got the Sydney Swans, obviously, like you said, your dad scouts for them, which is, which is great. They've been very, actually, pretty successful team. I feel like it's like rugby league. Sydney Swans had their, their time there where they were so successful. And for people in the States here, they got to know that geographically, New South Wales and Queensland is more based around rugby league, rugby, whereas the rest of the country, South Australia, the South, yeah. Western Australia, Melbourne, is more AFL. You know, we've got obviously got the state game, of origin. Yeah. yeah, well, you've got the origins, but a large the only the origins are only played between you two. You never let another state play. <laughs> well, this is the problem here, and, and I think they're gonna they they might start leaning towards bringing Melbourne into it one day. I could see that happening because Melbourne. I mean, my point was Sydney was very good in the AFL. And when I think when Sydney Swans win it, AF, a lot of AFL fans were probably like, well, "What the hell?" You know, Sydney's winning. It's kind of like at the moment, you got Melbourne who are like the top of the table, only one team down in Melbourne, then they just dominate the sport. They've taken over, you know? Yeah, when, it's, um, know. so it's it, like you look at AFL, it used to be called the VFL, the Victorian Football League. Yeah. And yeah. then it expanded. They added uh, the Eagles, the Dockers, the, they added the Adelaide Crows, the Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide Power, the Sydney Swans, the Brisbane Lions. Too, right? Sydney now West. they've got the greater, the greater Western Sydney uh, yeah. Giants and they've got the... Um, uh, the Gold Coast Suns. So they've added some teams around the league that North Melbourne plays in Tasmania now. So it's it's around that. But uh, I know West Australia used to have the Western Force, but then they did well for a couple of years and then all of a sudden folded and no one knew why because they ran out of money, I think. Because that's the problem with Perth is the, the travel's too bloody expensive. Yeah, yeah. You're going to you're gonna have to buy a team back home now, mate. Just like Russell Crowe did. They're <laughs> actually like, hey, there are any privately owned Australian rules football teams. Yeah. They're not. They're all owned by the league. So it's all run oh, by all the league. league. So I looked at that because I'm yeah. sure there's been enough people that have looked in interest, like uh, Daniel Ricciardo is the Formula 1 driver for McLaren. He's been the number one season ticket holder for the for the Eagles for a numerous amount of years. Yeah. And I guarantee he would have looked at buying the team just purely well, based on the fact of owning that. But, Liam, I have, yeah. a, I have a solution for you, mate. And and uh, you should make your ears perk up here. All right, you can't play, you can't buy an Aussie rules football team, but guess what, mate? You can buy a rugby league team in two seconds, mate. The Newcastle Knights are looking for new ownership. Liam, you are the guy, mate. (laughs) (laughs) You are the guy. I think they're talking about bringing another Queensland team in as well. Talking about bringing another Queensland team. The only team I really know is the the Rabbitohs, because it's fun to say. And then um, the. Was it the Penrith Panthers? Penrith Panthers? Panthers, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. yeah, that was, uh, you know, when you stay at Blacktown, you stay up at Rudy Hill. That's right. We presented the Penrith RSL one time, and it was just yeah. Panthers League. That's, that's, exactly. that's where we got it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Russell Crowe owns the Rabbitohs, mate. So you're going you're gonna to you have to wrestle with him to, to get ownership into that one. <laughs> just stay away from the farms. <laughs> yeah. Mate, you could, seriously, I mean, the New Knights. I, I, I could, I could, I could make some inquiries, mate. If you want to ask around a couple of mates and see what they're asking. <laughs> first off, I'd have, to, I'd have to, I'd have to figure out how to play the game first because that, <laughs> I'd be an intensive one. Because every time I whip out the Aussie rules, because I, 
I travel, so I've got an Aussie rules ball. I've got a, uh, an NFL ball and a soccer right. ball that I usually have in my locker. Well, yeah. every time I whip out the Aussie rules ball, everyone starts throwing it like a rugby ball because that's all they know. Right. They don't know yeah, the yeah. difference and trying yeah. to teach them. And then they whip out the NFL ball and I start punting around and then they all get mad because it's too far away. All right, well, just speaking of that too, and one thing that Americans have to know when you see these Aussie kickers come into like, yeah, Michael Dixon up here with the, the Seahawks. Dude, he's, you should see what this guy can do, mate. He's a first rounder. I mean, he does, he, yeah. he kicks the ball like no one else. It's insane, mate. He like, can kick like a frigging knuckleball and do all these crazy kicks. I'm not joking. But they, yeah, all you come look from- at uh, Mitch Wisnowski with the 49ers. He's, uh, he's from right. Gauzy's. He's from, uh, from West Australia. It's like where the, uh, the Perth Heat play. That's right. where he's, he's from that area. He's the, Played Aussie rules and then went into, I think, uh, construction work and then ended up going to the, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, the School of Punters out in San Diego. Because they, they, I always hear this, like, oh, all those rugby kickers. Are I've heard this literally on, like, on, you know, national sports talking about this. Oh, yeah, all these rugby kickers. Like, no, no, no. It's not, they're not rugby kickers. They're Aussie rules kickers, man. Yeah. They kick yeah, kick the kick the life Figure out of the country. Of a, a, we have a 50-meter arc in Aussie <clears> rules, and then that's – you're known as a, yeah. a decent kick if you kick it from out of that. But I mean, you look at the, I think the, the longest ever recorded uh, torpedo, which is the, uh, like the way they punted in, in, in the States is I think 94 meters or something like that. And that was back in the day. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, if you can get consistent with the, with the torp or the spiral, it's uh, the, the thing will fly. Like uh, we whip it out a little bit every now and then. I did it in Oakland in spring training one year with um, the, the Raiders, the Raiders punter at the time. And then, Unfortunately, I think I may have outpunted him that day and he got released like a couple of weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> he signed a three-year deal with the Broncos. He's fine. Yeah, he'll be all right. He'll be all right. So, so you're, you're pretty handy on the kick, mate. Uh, I got a decent left boot. That's about it. But um, that's I, I whip it out every now and then. I, I, I always put it as that, that's the retirement plan. I want to be get down as a two-sport athlete. There you go. Nice. There you go, mate. So what... Uh, Let's say 10 years down the road, we're going to see you punting out in the NFL here. Right? Hey, that's the plan. 40-year-old I mean, just... punter, mate. 40-year-old yeah, punter. It's like some guys, some guys go to Japan after they're done playing in the States. I just plan on checking out the NFL, see how that goes. No, 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 mate. He's going to be living <laughs> in Newcastle at Meriwether Beach, owning the New England Knights. I'm going to be the assistant GM. That's going to be my job. I'm just hanging out there. <laughs> Well, if I'm the yeah. owner, I, I you're gonna have to run the day to day because I have no idea what's. I'll going be the out. trainer. I'll be the trainer running the water out there to the blokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't lie. That's how I got my in with the North Melbourne Kangaroos. Is we knew the runner. He was yeah. the uh, yeah. They run messages out like call down the phone from the yep. from the coach's box. Guy yeah. runs out and turns out my old man played with him with uh, the local team and 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 in Australia and in Ben Perth. Uh, so, and uh, yeah, that's how we got our in. Liam, so you see, dad was your dad. Obviously, was heavily into into AFL. Was he when you said, "Oh, I want to play baseball"? Was he like, "What are you doing?" No, they both. My parents are very open to that. They just wanted me to do whatever made me happy. And right. and the reasoning I had about choosing baseball at the time was, look, I know I can be like I was. We had teams calling to see if the father son rule that I would because I could have gone to the Eagles because dad played a certain amount of games for a certain year. Right. Um, I could have gone to the Eagles as a father and son. So I had teams, other teams calling that were higher on the draft order being like, Hey, is this thing, is this baseball thing real? Or is he just stalling to try and go father son? Wow. So I actually was decently, I was a decent prospect coming up, but um, yeah, chose baseball with the opportunity to be like, look, if I go out there for a couple of years and I don't enjoy it, 40 is still going to be here. I can come back. I can be, um, 
uh, that I can go into the rookie thing and 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 do it that way because I could still technically get attached to the uh, the Eagles through that. But yeah, baseball turned out, and then my personality was like, no, I'm not going to quit anything just because I don't like it as much. Yeah. And, because I got hurt in uh, 2009, I had spine surgery and missed the entire year. So I'm like, I'm not going out on that. I had a really good year the next year, and then kind of Bob's your uncle. Here we are. Well, mate, definitely did turn out for you. You, know, you go on on your Instagram, and you're sitting on private jets with with uh, puppy dogs. You know, photos of hero <laughs> shots with you holding a dog. But um, no, mate, this this has been a blast, mate. It's always great having you on the show and getting a chance to to not only dive into some good good baseball stuff, but then driving dive into the Aussie stuff, man. It's, it's a blast. We appreciate your time, man. Yeah, of course, man. And if anybody knows a good pie place in, in anywhere I'm going to be in Arizona or Chicago or anything like that, let me know. Cause I think when we flew back last time, I was, I think I crushed three pies at six o'clock in the morning while waiting for a flight from Sydney to Perth. So uh, well, <laughs> always looking my, for a good one. I got a little spot here in, uh, in Florida in Palm Harbor up by the Dunedin spot, actually. I got yeah, injured. Well, we'll have to, uh, next time, um, um, next time um, we're in Florida, we'll have to try and meet up there and then grab a pie yeah, and hang out a little bit. All right, mate. Well, thanks for your time today, mate. I appreciate it. Stay warm up there and um, hope everything works out well. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. It's always good talking to some Aussies. Awesome. All right, mate. Good on you. Take it easy, mate. Killing them, 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 killing them